Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating podcast. I am your host, Monika Banach, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. I have a special guest on today's episode, Oli van der Wilde. He is a personal transformation coach, and we dive into some really great topics today, including his own transformation journey. You have to check out his before and after pictures on my Instagram. We discuss going from six meals per day to a fasting-focused lifestyle, mental and fasting tips, and some other great advice from a coach's perspective on what it takes to be successful in weight loss or really in any aspect of your life. Everything we discuss here is from our own personal knowledge and experience. None of this is medical advice. Let's get started. All right, so I'm going to start off. I'm super excited to chat with you, Ollie. I remember the fi- first <laughs> the first time I talked to you, I called you Oliver. That's and right. You said, yeah. You said, oh, my mom calls me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably when you're bad too, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, a little bit of PTSD came up. I'm like, oh, something's wrong like, here. So Ollie, welcome. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly how we met. I think it was through like, connection through the fasting world on Instagram or social media. And we've chatted a few times and I loved your story and Mm -hmm. wanted to chat with you because I think you you have so much value and so much great information to share with people. And you also coach people. Let's start off with you just introducing yourself. Just tell me, tell us a little bit about you. Brag, Mm -hmm. whatever. Tell me everything. (laughs) Brag, whatever. Okay. Awesome. In that case, I'll get started. Indeed, my name is Ollie, full name Oliver. That's what my mom calls me, so let's refrain <laughs> from using that. For the rest, I grew up abroad, so I grew up traveling around the world, Australia, Indonesia, India, Germany, and eventually back to Amsterdam again. So actually born in Amsterdam, but then never really lived there. So now I'm back here trying to become a Dutchie, but there's one hell of a culture difference. So that's taking some time. For the rest, fasting, I started fasting approximately like, I think, four years ago, if not five years ago. And when I started the whole journey of doing that, I actually stumbled upon it just through reading a book. I wasn't actually, I was abstaining from eating. I was one of those gym bros who thought I had to eat every few hours in order to like build muscle and lose fat. So the whole idea of not eating to like lose body fat and potentially build some muscle, that made no sense. Yeah. It's crazy. I was just stumbled upon it too. That was definitely cool, but yet awesome at the same time to see how, how it changes lives and how effective it is too. How did you end up in Amsterdam? Like, where were you born? Like, I mean, and you don't have, like, I think that's the first thing I said to you. I was like, you don't have an accent, like a very slight accent. It's not very strong at all. Yeah. So it was pretty much just getting raised in international school. So I went to Australian school when I was younger. Actually, I started from the beginning. First, I was in a Swiss school. So I speak like, spoke like Swiss German, had like the rocking Swiss accent. Then I changed that one for learning English. And that's when I picked up the Australian accent. That was a uh, shrimp on the bobby kind of thing. That was do, awesome. Do an Australian accent. G'day, mate. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
that's all I remember. <laughs> then afterwards, after having this Australian accent for some time, lived in India, then I went to an American school, had a super strong American accent. And then afterwards, also to a British school. So all my accents kind of got mixed together into one bag. Wow. And depending who I'm with, let's say I'm with an Australian, I'll like, that Australian <laughs> twang will come back. Or if it's a British person, I'll come back too. Or an American, you know, the accent will come up too. Where so. were you born, like originally? Where was? So where I would call home then, I guess, uh, where I was born, Amsterdam. Okay. And, um, so you're back, at, you're back home then? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, at least what I think is home or, or should be home then, yeah. Awesome. So you touched on a little bit about how you got into fasting. Can you kind of go back, you know, like going from being, you know, the gym bro, I did the same thing, you know, having my phone set up, my phone set up every three hours because I got to eat, you know, if you don't eat, you're going to sacrifice the muscle and then yes. getting it, like how did you get into it? Like being gym bro and <laughs> getting into fasting, who introduced you to it or how did it start? Tell us your story. Yeah, so there's like two stories here. There's like the pre-fasting story, right? Of how, how is that? My previous experience is that I was always into health and fitness to an extent. I was actually someone who had quite low self-esteem. I had a lack of confidence. I was a super shy kid. And I would even go to family gatherings with my family and just sit in a corner, try not to talk to anyone, just counting down the minutes to go back home. And that was for me for the longest time. And also with school and traveling so much, you know, that was kind of like my personality at that point. I accepted that. At one point, I think I went to the gym for the first time. My, my dad's a big cardio fanatic. He's just like, I'll just go to the gym and, and run on a treadmill. And I remember like sitting on like the, I think I was on a bike actually. And I was looking at the gym on the other mm -hmm. side. I saw like the weights yeah. and stuff. I'm like, how cool would that be just to like, you know, like smash some weights? Like, so slowly... How old were you would, when you got into weights? Like I started like just playing around with it at the age of 15, like just not knowing anything, just like, just because yeah, it's awesome. a fun activity to do. And then I did that pretty much for, I mean, the first time I went there, went on an ad machine. I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, awesome. the cool thing and you is were like, hooked. how I felt. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the feeling afterwards when you feel like, hey, I... I feel like accomplished. I got like that dopamine from that. Yeah. I'm like, this is, this is good, you know? You know, and, people um, always say like, oh, I get this mm -hmm. runner's high. I've never experienced a runner's high, but I do get a high from lifting. Like, especially when I do legs, I'm just like, Phew. I mean, I, I love it. It's like, mm, it's the best. Yeah, yeah. I love like the mental clarity too and how it feels like such a win because if you do like say in the morning or in the evening, like you can have like the shittiest day on earth, right? Everything could be going wrong, but if you like go to the gym and then you just, you just do your workout and do your best of your workout, yeah. you can still go to sleep satisfied. Yeah, you feel so good. You feel accomplished. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. And I love your transformation yeah. on Instagram too. Like you went from, you know, just you weren't big in any way, but you were just, you know, you went from soft to like six pack, eight pack abs. So was, yeah. was that through fasting or? Yeah, that was a funny story. <laughs> on the left, I actually thought I was like shredded. So I was just like, oh, bro, take a photo of me with no shirt on. I read and that, yeah. <laughs> I saw the photo afterwards. I'm like, fuck, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> and then that was me when I was eating, like you said, too, you know, every three hours having that chicken, rice, broccoli, mm -hmm. super plain, no sauce, nothing, thinking that was the way to do it. So that was me thinking I was shredding, doing it correctly. And on the right is actually me just 
fasting, having like pizza, some burgers, you know, still understanding like the nuances of like nutrition and how to optimize that. But at the same time, you know, I still drink on the weekends. I love donuts. Avid fan of pizza, of course. Combine those things together. So. Keeping balance. And, you know, if you, if you right. deny certain foods, you're going to want more, right? And then you're going to oh go God. into a binge and that's when bad things happen. So how long did it Precisely. take you to go through that transformation to that? And how was your, fa- like, what type of fasting did you follow? So my transformation actually took me four months. And that transformation, I was super dedicated in it. I was just like, okay, let's do this properly now. Before I was kind of doing things, I was, you know, doing some like weight training. I think I was training every single day, but I wasn't training effectively. I had no plan in in mind. Also my nutrition, I was just eating like healthy, clean food, but not understanding, let's say how many calories, protein, carbs, fats. And also, you know, I would binge a lot because I would feel stressed. I would emotionally eat something. And that would lead to me eating the foods I was not supposed to eat. It feels so wrong, but it feels so (laughs) right to have a cookie. And you're like, oh my God. When I started to do it correctly, I was actually saying, okay, I'm going to incorporate the cookies in there. I'm going to put the pizza in there because they're going to be there anyway. I'm just not going to pretend to ignore them and actually include them into my nutrition. Once I started doing that and fasting, I did intermittent fasting to start off with just to, you know, get over the whole addiction to eating. Like 16, um, eight, or like, is that what you start, started off? Yeah, 16, eight. Later, I progressed to 18, six, mm-hmm. just because I love how it feels to be fasted. And even now, I'm tinkering a little bit with keto too. So, having, let's say, a keto lunch, so my energy is even smoother. But that's more like, I would say, for the later stages. Initially, what I did was just like the, you know, 16, eight combined with weight training three times a week, just mm-hmm. hitting like the heavy compounds, progressively, you know, changing the exercises to make sure my physique develops correctly too. And that combination with also with the right nutrition, tracking food correctly, and of course, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part. You can eat pizza in moderation. And that's vodka. He's drinking vodka, by the way. Monica it's, inspired it's, me. You know, the, the Polish roots. Yes, I'm drinking <laughs> coffee with vodka. He's drinking vodka with vodka. <laughs> How we do it, right? Is this what's fascinating it's about? <laughs> it's 8 o'clock in the morning here and probably, what, 2, 3? Three o'clock? Your 3 time? p.m. Yeah. 3 p.m. Yeah, it's time for vodka for sure. It's acceptable. Yeah, so vodka is acceptable on your fasting plan because it's just clear. We're kidding, by the way. We're joking. Yeah, I hope that you understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned keto. Are you following more of a ketogenic diet now, or do you have a specific diet that you're following right now, currently, yeah. or experimenting more so? Right. That's correct. It's, it's more experimenting. Like I would say keto is like balancing on a tightrope. Mm-hmm. I would only recommend for people who are really just, they, they got it down. Right. And now they're looking for like the last 10, 20% to really optimize things. What I'm a more of a fan of is basically understanding, for example, the intuitive eating. So mm-hmm. essentially with fasting and incorporating that strategically per day, the calories you save from breakfast, you can shift towards lunch and dinner. Right. What that means is that you have two larger satiating meals, which actually fill you up and actually prevent the emotional eating and craving, right? You know, if you have breakfast, it's going to make you hungry because mm-hmm. you're like already looking forward to lunch. And then of course, you're going to snack in between lunch and dinner. And then overall, the amount of calories you're consuming throughout the day just with snacking and, and all that stuff is going to be much larger. If you have all those calories, instead of spraying them out thin, you put them into two meals, maybe like a little snack in between of a, fr- a piece of fruit or something 
you basically have you eat so much to the point you're like okay there's no way i could eat anymore and you're still going to remain in a caloric deficit yeah. which is still going to allow you to burn body fat so yeah so that's yeah. so satisfying instead of like these little bird meals and you like right. finish it and you're hungry and you cannot wait to have the second one so right. i totally totally get it totally get it what's the longest fast you did during this during that time like omad or Anything longer yeah. than 24 hours? To be honest, I don't really do fast longer than 24 hours because also with my current lifestyle, how that comes together, right? Training hard, yeah. Training hard, you need your yes. nutrition as well. And I would say depending on your goals, like eventually from like, if you go into further into a health perspective, I would say for sure, longer fasts are definitely beneficial. But then it's also about, for example, adapting your body towards that too. Like you want to be in a ketogenic state, mm -hmm. okay, following a keto, keto diet, and then doing that after you've adapted to that. That's kind of like my two cents on that. But I would say on like a perspective of like fasts and what kind of fast to do, I always think about sustainability, right? The moment that you're like withdrawing something or pushing it away too much, like with the food and pizza, right? That's when you want it the most because you're going to start craving yes, it, right? Absolutely. I'm the same with fasting too. If I fast for too long, I notice that like my relationship with food kind of gets weird. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, how can I keep it as healthy as possible? I do love the benefits of longer fasting though. So many good ones. And I do try to do that every single Friday. I make all my clients do this too. It's kind of a fun little event we do. Thursday night, like tonight, I'm going to have my last like big satiating meal. And then I'm not going to eat until the next day uh, dinner time. So, nice. and that time I want to make it a special event too. You know, it's like fasting and breaking those fasts should also be a moment where you can appreciate food for what it is, you know? Mm. If you have too much of something, you're also not going to appreciate it. So I have like that. I break that fast. All my friends, we have a huge dinner. We said, well, now it's a little bit different because of Corona, of course, but yeah. pre-Corona time, we would have a huge dinner and then just sit together and eat that. And it would be like the most beautiful first bite, you know? So I do kind of that approach. This allows me to also sustain it for longer and not also have that strange relationship with food too. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, you make a good point, you know, and I work with a lot of clients too and, Everybody wants to fast long, drop that weight fast, right? And, and that's okay. But I noticed a lot of times people use fasting as a crutch. You know, they think that, okay, I ate so crappy all weekend, so I'm going to fast for three days, you know, and that's not a right. healthy approach. It's okay, like to do a 72-hour fast. It's great for, again, autophagy and health benefits. But if you're doing it because you ate so crappy, and you're, you know, it's like, it's like a yo another yo-yo diet, you know, right. and it's so mentally defeating too. So you make a good point. And I think people that cannot control their eating after a long fast, I tend to keep them on a shorter, like OMAD, shorter fast or too mad, because learning that relationship with food is the key. It's not the fasting, it's the refeeds that make a huge difference, really. So yeah. I love that. That That's a really good point. So you mentioned you also coach. You do some transformation coaching. Tell me yep. a little bit more about it. Is it only for guys or do you do also female coaching? And what separates your transformation coaching from others or other coaches online? Because we've talked about it and I love the questions you ask and, and how you know you really dig deep into like, the mental aspect, the visualization, like sending pictures, like showing you pictures, like what do you want your body to look like? I love that. I think that was so powerful. So tell us a little bit more about it. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I love talking about this so much. I know. I love it. <laughs> so the biggest thing for these transformations in the coaching I do is I really base it off, let's say, what the person wants, right? Mm -hmm. And there are like different kinds of like the desires, right? Anyone can say like, I want to lose 20 pounds. And then they'll wake up in the morning and they'd be like, eh, not today. And they'll say, I'm going to do it tomorrow, right? But it's the moment that you dig deeper into someone's why about understanding, let's say, the mental components, you know, while limiting beliefs are they saying to themselves, like, a lot of people try things and stop things, but they're not sure what that is. So basically, I get into their head, I understand what that is, I then progressively over time, just like with uh, their fitness results, I help them get in the right path with eating and everything too, but I also make sure to remove their mental barriers, which are holding them back from actually implementing it for the long term, right? Biggest thing is like this, it's like having a tailor-made suit or a dress, as you could say, right? It really just has to fit the, perfect per like the person perfectly. And once it does, and once it's really integrated into there, I want to get all my clients to the point that they literally just don't have to do anything except for just live a lifestyle, right? In the end, everyone wants to have the following as a, as a healthy, fit lifestyle, and they want to look good naked in their body and then be like, I'm proud of how I look and I feel confident. And so they can rock the rest of, of, of their life. You know, they, they should be able to be confident in their own skin. They should be able to look in the mirror and be happy with that. And not feel self-conscious about that and doing that from a way that's sustainable and not restrictive and just fits with them and you know just keeps it possible to maintain i think that's the beauty of it is that once it's all integrated perfectly it's just about effortless maintenance and then i coach people to pretty much do it properly for i think six months or four months depending on the person and afterwards they're just like hey i'm good to go i got it from here just like you know discovery channel where like you have like the mother bird and the baby bird and over time, like the like the, the the chick grows up, but then it's like, okay, time to leave the nest now. You know, that's Bye. how I'm with my coaching too. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I, I kick the chicks out the nest and I'm like, that makes me happy. They're happy too. And that's awesome. Is it mainly do you mainly do male coaching or both? That's a great question. So I do a combination of both. Of course, I am specifically tailored towards men as well, because well, I'm a guy myself, I can relate yeah. to that as well. But yes, I do have female clients and okay. they're also kicking ass. So the, the same tools and everything apply. Of course, there's a little bit of a hormonal difference as well, yes. but that's not something Definitely that training women is a lot more challenging. Yes. And like most of my clients are females. I have about mm, maybe 18% of men, <laughs> but most mm -hmm. is, you know, are women. But for me, that's what I love because I understand women's body more. So I, right. I get that. And you mentioned overcoming mental barriers. What... Have you noticed, like, what have been the biggest mental barriers that you notice people have around, you know, transformations, losing weight, food, and so forth? This is such a good question. And there, there are a few mental barriers. I would say the biggest one that comes up where people really tend to, to not really understand this fully, and you touched on it before, it's the yo-yo, right? The all or nothing mm -hmm. kind of approach where they're yes. like, either I got to be 100% on my diet, 100% my fasting mm -hmm. and my training, or... I'm going to oh, do nothing. fuck it attitude. Exactly. And yes. it's Sorry. that kind I, did of... Did I just uh, say that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it guess, makes sense. Honestly. I guess I'm going to have to make this podcast uh, explicit then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess so. But you're yeah. speaking from passion, right? I mean, yeah. it's uh, the idea applies. It's people are really in that fucking mood if mm -hmm. they do one thing wrong. And I think that's like kind of... The difference is that the mindset tends to be a very much like a light switch. It's either mm -hmm. on or off, right? Yes. Rather, I think you've also noticed this too, the, the best kind of clients are the ones who see it as a volume knob. They see like, okay, you know, today was a little bit of a better day. Today was a little bit less of a better day, you know? Yeah. And overall, 
it's your ability to view it as a volume knob rather than like mm -hmm. a, a light switch that's going to succeed because it's once you have, let's say, okay, a day was 40%, the next day was 50%, maybe going out of 40%, but hey, yeah. because I was consistent for three days, that gives you the motivation to be at 60% the next day. And it kind of builds up progressively like that because you, you, you need proof, not promises that you're going to do something. And if you don't have enough proof, you're not going to remind yourself of your success and you kind of build upon that, then, right? Mm. So how do you help people overcome those challenges as a coach? Like, are there any specific things that you do, any tips or accountability? Like, what do you do to help them overcome that kind of mental barrier or destructive mental thinking? Yeah, what I do is pretty much with my program, what I do is I have like a coach as well. He's called, his name is Zhao. He's also the mindset coach within the program. I tailor more towards, let's say, the health and fitness portion of it, integrating the right kind of metrics, understanding how the person can apply for their lifestyle, and tailor making everything based on that. And then also my clients get a call with my mindset coach, and he really goes into the, the deeper issues, the deeper emotions. Like there could be someone, you know, emotionally eating a cookie, right? Mm -hmm. Seems quite harmless up front, just don't eat the cookie, right? But the reality is there's some kind of emotional triggers and pain points there, which are not being addressed, which is leading to the behavior. So what we go is pretty much to understand, for example, the person's upbringing, right? We understand, let's say, their current lifestyle, what stresses them out, what unhealthy balances do they have at the moment. And once we address all those points and we put everything on the table, then we start digesting it properly, helping them reframe everything, restructure it in their, in their head. And through a, like a series of like therapies, we pretty much help them understand not only how to get mentally this in a spot where they're really happy with themselves, because you can give someone a physical transformation, like you can give them like the best body ever, but if they're mentally yeah. still unhappy, they're not gonna stay there for very long, right? So we do like the mental component, so mental transformation, as well as also the physical transformation, which in the end makes you the best person, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always say to people, it, it is 90, everything about weight loss and transformations it's 99% mental it really is it starts in your mind you know when you seek a coach you know sometimes people think okay once I start training with Ollie or Monica you know I'm gonna be good but no it's it's you you have to be the one deciding you know I'm ready for this transformation that's what happened to me you know like I was like I was done I'm like I'm ready no more excuses usually those excuses we make are only putting us back, you know, and True. I think, yes, that mental component is huge. I started realizing that when I started coaching, I was like, mindset, mindset, mindset. <laughs> so really I love though. that. I love that you incorporate that in your coaching. I think it's, it's key. Absolutely. I love it. Anything else that you want to touch on when it comes to coaching and things that you do differently as a coach? I would say the most important thing is, or as a point of reference, right? I guess it's also trying to follow, let's say, something which is connecting with the person, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people try building to a relationship with somebody, like right. Yes, you should bro it out. Trust. You should sis yes. it out. I don't know how you'd say it, but you should indeed connect with the person, mm -hmm. right? And if yes. the person, let's say that there's so many trainers out there who just are so they don't understand the person themselves individually. Yeah. They don't care about them to a point where they're like, they're part of family or something. You know, I'm a big component of, let's say, being a part of a tribe, making mm -hmm. sure that you feel that you're having a good time too. You know, you shouldn't be like, here's the program, like execute on it and yeah. then I'll see you in four months. Like, good luck, buddy. Like no one's gonna succeed at that. And I'm sure a yeah. lot of people 
listening to this have probably realized that too, is that they've tried different programs, they've, they've bought different nutrition guides or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And, you know, in the end, it's, it's never about the information. It's about the accountability and yes. the proper strategy and implementing those things for yourself. 100%. I agree with you. It's in building that relationship, that trust. And, you know, anyone can go online and purchase a workout program or a nutrition program. And, you know, a lot of them are similar. You know, somebody could be selling the same thing that you're doing as far as IF and keto, but it's mm-hmm. having that accountability, somebody that you know, okay, I can't cheat today because I got to send Ollie my check-in. And, and yeah, it makes very a true. Difference. It really, really does. What has been the craziest diet you've ever done in your past? Anything just crazy? Craziest diet. I think it's got to be the chicken rice broccoli thing. <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> also, I went That's to my grandparents. I went to my grandma's house. I brought my little Tupperware containers with like food. And she's just like, I've never seen someone look so disappointed. First of all, it's my grandma. She loves cooking. She's just like, son, you're you're doing a bad job. Right. Also, the hardest thing from a sustainability perspective in the fact of it's so boring, it's so repetitive, and that's definitely been the hardest diet. Chicken rice. So like chicken rice all day long? Like pretty much. And I think at night I would have like a small cup of Greek yogurt. (laughs) That's not too bad. That's not that's not that's not too bad for sure. No. But it's boring for sure. That's yeah. awesome. When you train, when you lift, do you lift fasted or do you eat before you lift? Good question. So I like to train fasted most of the time because when I'm training fasted, I know it's also like a mental component of how focused you are, mm-hmm. right? For example, if you have some carbs, you, you'll find that maybe the beginning of the workout is quite good, but then afterwards you tend to like dip. When I train fasted, I just feel really smooth. It's also a fantastic reminder to see that, hey, despite the fact that I'm fasted and I haven't eaten, let's say, in 24 hours, I'm still able to hit my personal bests and all my lifts. I'm still able to progress in my strength and not only, you know, like get stronger, but also, you know, like continue developing my physique the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it's from a place that I've never been so surprised that it's possible. Because I remember like every three hours, I'm like, oh, I gotta, gotta eat, you know, don't eat, I'm gonna lose that muscle. Well, so, you know, with IF, you do that 16 hour mark is where you have the highest growth hormone production right. in your body. So it could be, you know, related to that, having, you know, more energy and feeling stronger. I'm the same way. I love working out fasted, like Amazing. weightlifting. And then you don't have like your, you know, if I eat, even if I eat like two hours before my workout, I still feel so full, you know, because your food is still digesting for sometimes, you know, six hours. So, yep. and then do you eat right after your workout? Yeah, good question. So I like to pretty much like after I lift, I wait approximately two hours, two hours up to let's say one and a half hours. My Because your body goes into from like fight or flight state into a rest and digest mode, right? If you eat too soon, I think it also kind of disrupts the digestion and you kind of, well, at least what I want to do is like, I want to kind of give my body to time to relax, to transition to a point of like, okay, let's try and recover. And let's say glucose your body needs. A lot of people think like, oh, you have to have a protein shake right after or something. It's, you don't, right? Your body is so effective and you can even convert the body fat that it has into, let's say the carbs that you need to then refill like your muscle glycogen as well. So I mean, from a scientific perspective, it's unnecessary. And also from a preference perspective, it's like, if I eat this soon, I'm just going to like, it doesn't work for me. No. Gotcha. 
what advice would you give to someone that is just starting this fasting lifestyle or someone that might be unsure about what they really, you know, if it's, wor- if it's a good lifestyle for them? You know, some people would be like, oh, that's starvation. You know, there's so many different thoughts out there. Like, what yeah. advice would you give someone that's brand new to fasting? I would say walk before you can run from the premise of like, don't go into mm-hmm. these huge fasts all of a sudden and don't try to, you know, do everything at once either. Like really like take the moment to think, okay, what level am I currently at? And then going from there and then building progressively from there. I think a lot of people try to go way too fast, way too soon, yeah. which then leads to the yo-yo effect. I right? love that. And I think the biggest thing that comes down to is also asking for help with it. You know, there's yeah. nothing wrong with like just doing it properly right off the bat. You know, you can try to like try and ride a bike just by saying, yo, I got this. I'm just going to keep trying until I get it. Or you can tell or someone can show you how to hold the handlebar properly, where to put your feet and then how to actually get the technique down so you can do it. Right. Yes. So it was a big practice of like, you know, just working smarter than harder sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you get better results in the long term. I mean, you could ask yourself like, you know, people are like, oh, but I don't want to invest money into this. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But it, then it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, it's like refusing to go for a, like, uh, let's say you're trying to get like your license for driving. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to like play around with the gears and then press these things. And then we'll see how <laughs> that goes. It's like, no, just take the lesson, invest in it, learn mm-hmm. how to drive properly. And then you can go on the highway, you can go travel around. Yes. So it's just a skill you got to develop just like anything else. That's a great analogy. I love that. And it's not, it's not a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And yes, I love that. Starting slowly. Sometimes, you know, especially like in the new year, I just did a podcast on New Year's resolutions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, people think that a particular date is going to change their mindset. (laughs) It just blows my mind, but I've done it myself, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, no, start right now. Little bitty steps. Just start now. And I love that. I love, you know, starting slowly. Same thing with like working out. You're not going to, if you've never stepped your, you know, a foot to the gym, you're not going to mm-hmm. go and do a two hour brutal workout. You're going to be dead the next day. Like you won't be able to walk and then you're going to give Precisely. up because it's too hard. You know, the right. small little consistent steps is what really changes things. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. even like if you think about it, like <laughs> when you, I just thought about this, when you go brush mm-hmm. your teeth, you know, you don't go like and go crazy, brush your teeth for an hour. Like you, you brush your teeth morning, lunch and evening or morning and evening, whatever. You do little mm-hmm. things and you all, you do it consistently. You don't just do it one day for an hour and then, you know, not do it for the rest of the week. So same right. thing with exercise, same thing with diets and so forth. I love that. 100%. That's a great, that's a great advice. hundred percent. And speaking cool. of new year's resolutions, are you a new, do you believe in new year's resolutions or what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm so lame. <laughs> My new year's resolution last year, everyone's like guys. And I was sitting on like oh, some roof terrace and we're all like saying these <laughs> epically motivational things like, Oh, I'm going to make an album of like rap music. One of my friends said, and then we're going around like that. And then they're like, okay, Ollie, what do you want to do? Well, guys, I want to do more whatever I'm doing. <laughs> now is it. Just continue. But that's great. It's, you know, it's, and you're probably going to sustain your goals because you're going to continue doing what you've been doing. 
that yeah. date, December 31st to January 1st, things don't change. You know, it is a new year, but it's still yeah. that mindset you have. January 1st doesn't like change everything and you're suddenly going to be this superhero running marathons and stuff. You still have to do the small consistent, consistent actions in order to get where you want to be. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. It's so um, funny how it's so simple, but it's for some reason, like implementation of it is something completely different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I agree. I agree. Some good points. I love that. So as far as your future fitness or career goals, what do you see yourself in, you know, in a year or five years? Yeah, this is a good one. I love <laughs> these kind of questions. I'm very much a visionary on things I want to achieve and everything. Like I have my whole whiteboard behind me on all my goals, what I, I want love to do it. and everything. Ooh. This is per month. I have it per year. I need I a have... white. I love it. Let me see that again. I want a snapshot of that. Wow. Those are all your let me, goals? Let me pull out the, the red pen of like pointing. I got monthly goals here. I got some like whys, for example, why to do it. Oh, and also let's say things I can do with the goals I achieve, right? Like I have a goal of mine, which is to change the lives of a thousand people before the age of 30, right? So with that as a goal in mind, it also gives me the motivation, like I said before, like the why of why would you wake up in the morning? Why would you not just say, hey, 10 more minutes or, or 30 more minutes, maybe an hour of sleep because you got people depending on you. You got people waiting for you. And I know there are people out there who need our help, right? Yeah. And that's the motivation that I need in the morning is to get up is I'm like, okay, you know, I could lie here and be extremely selfish or I could go and serve these people, help them get to their goals and help them live like happier, more fulfilling and confident lives. You know, so I think once you have the why formed out for yourself and it's super crystal clear, mm-hmm. that's the moment everything just makes sense. It's like trying to build a house on no foundation. It's not going to stand. It's going to sink. It's going to sl- go like, all like this, like the houses here in Amsterdam. Yeah, <laughs> I love you that. You want to build a house with a really strong mm, why. This is so good. the why, mm-hmm. everything else can be built upon that. This is so good. I love that. Well, for people that are on YouTube, they can see your vision, your board behind you, but people that are listening to the podcast, they won't see it. But I would love to put, like, if you can send me, like, what, not specifically what, what's on your board, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you said monthly goals on one side, then your whys, and then whatever else. Yeah, like, I would I love to explain it if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I would love it if you could send me, because I want to utilize that. I actually want to get a whiteboard. I love it. I'm, I'm all into Amazing. like, vision boards, all that stuff. I think it just, it makes such a big difference. The little small things, but seeing it every day when you wake up, it's like, okay, right there. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that would be great if you could, because I'm sure a lot of people could, this will be so valuable to so many people. I'm loving this so much. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Thank you. What are, okay, so what, sorry to interrupt you. What other goals and what other things you have planned for a year or five years from now? <laughs> So I know for sure another big goal of mine is to go to Asia again and then also reopen some schools back up there. Like my parents are doing the same thing now. They, my, my dad had a good successful career and now he's just like, he wants to give back and that's the joy of it really. And, and with coaching, it, it's a lot of giving back, but I want to give mm. back to the extent of giving people opportunity where there may not be as much, right? Mm-hmm. I um, love that. Opening three schools in Indonesia where I used to live, that'd be amazing. Wow. I like we had staff members there. I mean, everyone has staff in Indonesia and also they have kids and, you know, you see the schools that they go to. It's not a lot, but it's for them, it means the world, you know. It's and a lot. Some parts, it's amazing. 
some parts of the countries don't have any schools. So I'm like, let's just go ahead and fix that. And, you know, the best gift is education. Like we're also yes. here because of, you know, we read something somewhere about fasting, you know, yeah. and look how that's changed our lives. Yeah. So imagine if you just didn't have access to these books, you, your life mm-hmm. would also be different as a result of that. So for sure, giving back and mm. educating would be the best thing I could possibly do. That's beautiful. Yeah. So your dad is out there now. Is he, he's doing self is a missionary work or like, what is he doing out there? Yeah. So my, my mom and dad were pretty much deciding like what they want to do. Like, I think they're quite close to retirement at the moment. And they're just thinking like, okay, you know, we can go and, you know, get a house or we can go and like, my mom's like, oh, we can get like an expensive watch, those kind of things. And, and they're contemplating these ideas and they're like, it makes just no sense to do that. Right. It's something which is materialistic and what would mm. keep you up at night a bit more and make you feel a little bit better in your heart is just knowing that you got that. some kids out there who are like being able to educate themselves, live a better mm. life. And also thinking about like the ripple effect of that. Right. You have educate one kid. Right. Bring up to a good job. And then they're able to give back to their own families and then their cousins and then everything else. And mm. development would just be a lot faster when people just gave to the right things. And one of those is definitely education. So that's amazing. I think it's, yeah, I think it would be fantastic. To I love do that. that. That's well. such a, it, oh my God, like goosebumps. That is such a good goal. <laughs> I, giving back, once when I started giving back to others, I do mission trips. I go to Africa usually once a year. We do medical, I do anesthesia. So we do med- medical mission trips with kids mm-hmm. usually. You can't explain it. Yeah. What you feel, like how it makes you feel giving back without expecting anything back, it's the most satisfying thing you can do to yourself. And it changes your life. It changes that whole, I can't even explain it. It just, it changed my whole life when I started about six years ago. It mm. just, things just start coming to you. It's like that universe, you know, giving back. Yeah, it knows. He's like, oh, yes, a good person here. I love here. it. So that is so wonderful to hear. I love it. Love it. A couple more questions. I know I want to respect your time. We'll be done here mm-hmm. shortly. What three things you wish you had known sooner? This could be related to anything. Weight loss, relationships, career, whatever. Anything. Oh, this is a good question. I love this one. So three things I could have learned earlier or wish I could have known earlier. Number one is self-acceptance wherever you're at, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I think it's a lot of my motivation came from a point that I was actually using negative energy to mm-hmm. get me to propel forward, right? Mm-hmm. And it was actually through what I would say is a big overcompensation of my insecurities when I was younger that led me on the trajectory I'm on now. And I just never stopped being on the trajectory. Mm. So I think accepting that a little bit earlier and coming from a space of like, Hey, I'm doing this out of love rather than trying to prove something to someone. Yeah. That would have probably helped a lot of things too. Cause it's, that's what you need to be in the headspace too, to, you know, rise to your highest level and to, to be at this place you want to be. And the place you can give the most is when you like love yourself so much that you're yes. like, you know, I have, you have an mm. abundance of it. You're like, here, mm-hmm. take some, please. I just, oh, that's I have enough to give. So that perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good moment was like, yeah, fasting. Sorry, <laughs> fasting earlier. Not doing the chicken rice broccoli. That was a big no no. <laughs> and another important one would be mm, probably the act of like just, just giving, you know, trying to spend mm-hmm. more time with people who need a bit of help. I know for a long time I was just like, what can I get from things, right? Can I get this free thing or, or whatever, rather than just like, you know, offering something to people? And the funny thing is, you'll always get something in return. 
if you want it or not, you're going to get it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm a really big believer of that. And just those three things are definitely the biggest ones. I love that. And, you know, just going back to giving back when I was, you know, finished school and I had lots of debt, you know, I felt like Mm -hmm. I couldn't give because I wasn't financially stable, but you don't have to be financially stable to give. You can give your time. Sometimes giving your time to somebody, to other people is even more valuable than actually giving money or stuff. So that's one thing that I wish I've started doing way sooner, you know, because I was always chasing the money. It's like, oh, once, I'm, right. once I have the money, then I'll be able to give, you know. No, it starts way before that. And by giving right. to others, you will probably get more money because you're going to be, things will come to you. And yep. you're going to feel amazing about yourself. And it's just, oh, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> couple more last questions. Sure. For the ladies out there, what is your relationship status? That's a good question. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't sure if I'm going to ask you this because I don't yeah. want to make things uncomfortable. <laughs> but just, you know, you're a handsome um, guy. I was, Check out I was dating a girl for a year and recently I ended things with her. She oh, ate sorry. breakfast, so I had to end things, you know, uh, <laughs> as, as simple as it is. She didn't fast? She ate breakfast? That's, oh, She, that's she didn't implement fasting, so I had to, uh-huh. <laughs> as it goes, you know. <laughs> You're so funny. That's a good one. I like it. Well, yeah. I will link your IG account in this podcast notes. It's Ollie, O-L-L-Y, fasting, right? F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Yep. Are there any other ways that people can connect with you any or is instagram the best uh, i would say ig is indeed the best okay i would say facebook but i got my full name on there and it's probably the most complicated thing (laughs) anyone's ever heard so let's keep it ollie fasting via the ig i'm always happy to to connect and help where i can yeah and you're great at answering questions over dm as well you're very quick at that thank you because you did that with me and so (laughs) ollie fasting and i will link your ig in the notes and um yeah thank you i just want to acknowledge you for all that you do for others love your personality your positivity the fact that your goals of giving back to others are so big, helping kids with education. And it's just amazing. So I want to acknowledge you for all those things. You're an amazing person. And I have truly enjoyed this conversation. I'm so excited. Yes. With vodka and everything. With right? vodka and, vo- and vodka and coffee. <laughs> I do think that people will get a lot of value from this. Some We talked about some good stuff and... Yeah, so thank you so much. Amazing. Monica, thank you so much for having me today. Always a pleasure to talk. Thank you, Ali. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share it on your social media, and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Follow Monica on Instagram at fit.fat.hotaf and on Twitter at fitfathotaf.